0: what we can do um, and just give space for that to have a conversation about that. Because I know, for me, when I read it, I was very disappointed and it doesn't affect me directly, right? <laughs> so it doesn't affect me the most. So I, I imagine the, the wounding that that cause, causes is, is great and so I just wanna open the floor for anyone who might wanna share. And you don't have to share, like, but if you want to.
1: I had uh, had mixed feelings about it in some ways, Um, like some of my initial feelings were, well I'm over, like, denominational politics, like, you know, I'm, I'm frankly glad that Dust is not part of, you know, the ECC or another denomination more because we can make our own decisions and live out our own days on this. Um, but um, on the other hand, uh, I stayed
2: in the denominational church for years and years and years because I thought that was where God had me. Um,
1: and had me there for a reason and um, thought I uh, was uh, I kind of feel like if if all the marginalized people just abandon the institutions that um, they either were drawn to or were born into, that it lets the people talk to the people and marginalized And so I felt very badly and know that they're going to face discipline Plan uh, is that it's just going to be tied up in um, politics or implementation, so it's not even going to be like anything clean. Where it's like, well, we've heard it, and if we um, uh, and we don't agree with it, we're, we're gone. you know, it's um, anyway. So, so on the one hand, I was very much like, well up <laughs> uh, but on the other hand there's too many people I know that uh, are 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 in there fighting that that fight that just got dealt with me well Hello?
2: Please? okay. something I've seen in this as we and, you know we've seen the church politics around this and standings around this for years not just the ALC but other uh, other denominations about how um make how to just, how to treat their LGBTQ community and members and like I feel like both sides tend to be very similar language and their similar so, like to talk about unity is like, well what do you mean that you want to focus on unity? Like you want to focus on unity by forcing people you're marginalizing to stay in your communities or by like, opticiing them? Or do you want to focus on unity by including those people and then saying you know to the people who disagree well you need to stay. With them. Like I don't know so like I how I think unity as the church body is in the larger church, but for unity to happen like someone has to well, I don't
0: know their price or okay with me someone
2: who fully agreed we put that onus on? And for a long time it seemed like we put the onus of unity on the people you're being depressed and marginalized and not saying well, you disagree it's your responsibility to preserve unity to step back. Um uh, yeah that's <laughs> in That's good. Anyone else? Are we good?
0: I don't want to rush anyone. I think the
3: call for unity to speak to that part is is just a tool of the
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you need I mean,
3: to I mean it's easy to call for unity when you're in charge, everyone should unify with you.
2: Right. And
0: I wish I hadn't. I read the, uh, and I feel like we've talked about this before here at Desk, but I read a really great Facebook status update. Uh, but I, <laughs> I really do do other things in my life, I promise. Uh, but um, it was, uh, it was just saying that he's, Peace to oppressors is when no one disagrees with their oppression, and that that's like the that's what we've been taught to think, right? So like, if you're against the majority, if you're against the people in power, then you're not being peaceful. You're not being unified. And I feel like I see that a lot in discussions about like, well, why are you, you know, bringing up a concern? Like, why are you being so uh, divisive? You know, like, you know, you're, you're being divisive right now by saying this. No, you're trying to address the problem. And from, you know, dialogue and conflict, it's not always bad, right? Like, you, conflict doesn't mean it's not peaceful, you know, or it's not – it has to be very aggressive, but, you know, there can be progress from that and growth from that. So, yes? So, speaking of, like, a Facebook <laughs>
4: you guys seen that it's usually a meme? it's like a quote saying, like, our culture has accepted two lies. Like the first, that um, if you don't agree with someone, you hate or reject them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something else about compassion. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes? If you disagree with someone, hate you right. And and so and And someone was saying, um, you know, that that, that's a lie, and I saw that posted a lot after, uh, right? And so, from like a lot of conservative folks, Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I think it's an interesting, like, kind of building on what you say because I don't think those that are being marginalized, like, it's not they obviously don't feel that. But to those who have a lot of influence and a lot of power, um, they really see themselves as being compassionate. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's super interesting um, that that either they've that's what they're trying to tell themselves or they have to like that. So you know, I was just kind of thinking about this week, like how do I um, engage with someone who really thinks like that? Because like, it that's that's difficult. So,
0: I thought that's really mm-hmm. no so um, so I was kind of like following the story this week and, and looking and um, kind of how we've been talking the last couple of weeks about you know being a safe place right so our goal isn't necessarily salvation but safety and creating safe spaces and being a community that welcomes others um, and I probably talk about this way too much, so you can start throwing things at me. Just wait a little bit. Um, But uh, I was really thinking about about the wounds that we place on other people um, and how the decisions we make um, in larger policy, right? So whether that's national or denominational or anything like that, it really causes hurts, and it causes a lot of wounds, and it causes – you know, whenever your life is up for debate on whether it's right or wrong, I think that causes a lot of devaluation. Um, and so I really started thinking, um, and I know that Tana has mentioned this before, um, about about trauma-informed care. Okay, so this is a big oh, thing right now. I use it a lot with my work. Um, I it's something that's changed my life personally. And even like, it's changed my marriage. Like Cliff will read on this and he'll be like, oh my gosh, this explains everything that's ever happened to me. Like, I'm trauma, you know, but in a good way, right? So like to be able to recognize the trauma you suffered. So the sad thing is like any major, I don't want to say it's a fad or, or theory. Sometimes people get really stuck on on that trauma, right? So, oh, you've been traumatized, I need to just recognize that. And we miss the healing part. Um, So now there's even more studies going into, well, how do you fight that, right? So we recognize people are traumatized. We want to, you know, we wanna make sure we're treating people with value and respect that help them to get over that. But like, how does that happen and how does healing happen? So, studies are coming out, and I think they have been for a while, that the way that healing happens is through relationships and through having um, meaningful relationships, having people who identify and re. the word's not not gonna has left me, anyways, but who like identify and like your worth, right? And they like, just let you know, like, no, you have worth, you have value. Um, and so when you can find those relationships, when you can find that safe place, that's where healing starts. And it doesn't mean that the past doesn't matter, but it means that you have the ability to build up that resilience to kind of still go on and still, Function. And I think that that's the part that we miss a lot in in talking about all this. So, a few weeks ago, even when we were just going through the Torah and Don was talking about um, how God really was focusing on the relationships and those communities and those safe places, all I could think about was trauma informed care. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, isn't it amazing? Like, God knows how the human mind works, (laughs) you know, because we don't, we often, when we look at the text, I think we're so, and maybe this is just me and the way I was raised, like, I, you know, you're just so thought, you know, to just think of it one way and to not really like dig into it and, and, and talk about it. And that's what I really love about um, our community here. And so as I was just sitting there listening, I just started thinking about that, like, you know, God was recognizing the trauma and he was also helping to build relationships with people and belonging and worth. Um, and I think we see that a lot, even in, you know, um, the, you know, the first story that comes to mind is, you know, even just like the Exodus, right? So you have, the, you have the Israelites, the suppressed people, and all of a sudden, you know, they feel devalued. They've been treated like crap. They've been told they're slaves. They've been told they're nothing. But, like, as it comes in and as this exodus happens, you see, like, this snow. We're the chosen people. We are, you know, we have identity. We have worth to God. We have value. And as that progressed, I think that, you know, it's not, I would imagine, I can't speak from experience, but I can't, I can't imagine that it's easy to be enslaved for 500 years and then have your value restored automatically right so that's a process and even if we look in different studies like trauma is it, it is transferred through DNA so even like when you think about um people who always said it was uh, like the generational curses right the verse I'm reading the verse but where it says like you know the sins of the father are passed down so even if you think about it that way it's not like oh they're cursed by this but the things that happen to us and the wounds, the devaluation, um, that is all transferred. People are finding out that is transferred via DNA. So it is transferred from generation to generation. Um, But so is healing, right? And so is wisdom. And so I get really fascinated by that idea. And I love that it's making me change. Like how many people have heard the punchline, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. (laughs) Um, (laughs) right and so like that just always annoys the snot out of me Um, so but it's changing the way I think about that because it's not so much like it's not a religion it's my relationship with Jesus guys we're tight Um, and not that it's not your relationship with Christ or God or anything like that I'm not saying that Um, but it's also a relationship with others and it's finding that safety and it's finding that that community that embraces and keeps us safe and gives us a place to go to and recognizes our value and our worth Um, and that for me is like really really powerful when I think about that and I think about like you know oh you know maybe God only knew what he was doing (laughs) Like I feel like it can be confusing with everything that we see and then denominations get in the way and there's all these votes and it's like when you just actually look at the text and you study it and you look at the stories and you see this, this pattern of, of, of God always shouting our worth basically. Right. And specifically to those in oppression, to those who need to hear it. Um, You know, Jesus, you know, could hang out with Pharisees and stuff like that, but he could also go and hang out with prostitutes, you know, and he shouted their worth. He was like, no, you belong, you matter. And so um, and not in the, you know, big slogan way, you matter. in <laughs> that way. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of been my, my thought process this past week, and I would love to hear what other people have to say about it, um, or else it'll just be like the shortest little talk ever, and we can just all sing songs and hug. So
2: that's cool.
0: <laughs> Which I'm totally down with. <clears throat>
4: <laughs>
2: Group hug for thirty minutes. We'll all feel great afterwards.
0: I mean, I everyone but you. No, I love that. Oh, trauma. Sorry. <laughs> I know. She's like, don't you talk to my mama like that?
2: Um, I, I think,
0: you know, a lot
2: of studies out there do, and I'm sure we'll talk about them. I'm going to forgive me if I'm not leaving you as people are. I'm going to be able to do things that we call things like typical. And I'm thinking more like alcoholism. Like I was reading about how just we the abandonment of a child can I mean, so many behavioral issues, it can lead to cognitive impairment. So when we talk about trauma, I don't think we're a very good society at recognizing the root of the root of a choice in individual makes as an the adult. There's a lot of different layers. Um, <laughs> um, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm, like, i i I can read back the transcript. The I, I study the how close etc. Thank you. That's good. <laughs> yeah,
1: <that's
2: awesome. laughs> um, but I, I think we don't look at being like proactive. I think what we want to do is, is like I know we've talked a lot about the turn and burn and then even people who are more progressive in the church look at cutting that piece out of someone's life. Well, that is a big part of that. Like if you struggle with abandonment and decide the like fact you're an alcoholic or you have taken on that idea. You can't just cut that away from someone. Like mm-hmm. right? there there has to be a healing process and relationship is a big part of it. Like when people are little, not just as adults. So I don't know, my background, like I'm a big advocate for kids. Um and that drama that they deal with at a very young age just not kind of goes away. It just one into something else. It leads to, uh, if someone is able to quote unquote, function in society, lots of things are masked. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there could be people sitting here right now that have been through trauma and have not talked about it. We would never know. <coughs> There's like a huge spectrum of uh-huh. But then going back to like current events, like I feel like just not being inclusive, like you're creating some a of Creating a community of, like, traumatic effect by being, um, explosive. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I think I grabbed all my
0: thoughts somehow, and somehow aligned them into, like, what I was hoping to communicate, and they're just, like, I We'll have a yeah. way to outline them. <laughs> Can you, like, organize them a like, the Can you just oh, say oh, what you oh, said and oh. summarize? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Again, last time Sarah leads. That's to Four times long to
2: interview four a dozen. Brain development is the increase in content. I think for are going fourth grade,
0: how much more between like fourth grade and high school and adult? Yeah, so like, I mean, when we talk about stuff like this, it's really. To me, it's very interesting and also terrifying because, like, it's like, every time I, like, yell at my kids, I'm like, oh, crap! Oh, God! <laughs> I'm really sorry about this. Um,
2: but I think that it
0: also really... It really helps the way that you're able to interact with people a little better and to, to realize that... Um, and especially, like, in oppressed populations. Um, so I don't want to... Um, I don't know who remembers my friend um, Katie, she came and spoke um, on disability um, and living with a disability, so she's actually um, a seminary student at Ohio um, Methodist School or OTMS or something like that, Um, and she was actually down there, and so she was down there for the process, and she kind of wrote about her experience as, while she's not a person who identifies um, with the LGBTQ, a, you know, um, community, she is a person who identifies you know, is disabled, she's a disabled person, and was just talking about when one population of people is discriminated against and excluded, how that feels to also be part of kind of a historically oppressed and uh, marginalized community as well. and just you know her heartfelt like how she she was definitely you know empathizing with everyone and, and how hurtful that is to just be a part of another marginalized community and see that um, and to see exclusion like that take place. And so <laughs> I would say like a lot of my knowledge when it comes to trauma, like I look at a lot of stuff as far as, disability related and, you know, you see that from a very early age. And that's why I think, you know, you, when you say like early intervention and stuff like that, it is so important to get it in there. But then I also think of, um, the people who are really well at, at hiding trauma, right. You know, and so those people who present very well, but really actually struggle on a day to day basis. And so for me, just looking at it as a whole and, and kind of approaching everyone in that manner has made a huge difference in how I'm actually able to interact with others and trying to be, like, a little more empathetic. Um, yeah, and I think that, you know, like I was saying, like, I think that, like, in the text we see that a lot, like, with the way that, you know, Jesus interacts with everyone. And I think that it's really important to me um, – and if I'm way off, feel free to tell me. Um, but the fact that he wasn't exclusive, like yes, like we want to free the oppressed, but he also was willing to develop relationships with those other people, like the Roman centurion, who probably would have been seen as the enemy, the Pharisees, who you know um, weren't necessarily like he probably was a Pharisee, as, as we've talked about before, um, or a rabbi. So like, but just these people that often we see as as enemies. Um, and so I think that he really kind of embodied that, like, wholeness of, of who we can be and developing relationships with people who don't necessarily agree with us. <laughs> um, and I love, you know, David, the quote that David brought up. So, like, there is... I, know, I, I always really struggle with this because I think at some point there has to be conversation and there has to be relationships in order for anything positive to happen. And so nowadays I get really frustrated with that because I don't feel like anyone's really willing to build those relationships. Um, and Wade, you spoke about people who feel really called and how you felt really called for a long time because it is so tempting to just say goodbye, all of this, and I'm moving on. So like the people who are really called to do that, I definitely – you know, I can't, that's a really hard place to be. And I think that it is definitely a specific calling, but I think that we have to be able to develop those relationships, even in people we disagree with. Um, And it's okay to say, I fundamentally disagree with you. (laughs) And that's not being divisive. That's being truthful. Right. Um, But yeah, I feel like I just went on tangent. So, but yeah, I think it's, it's all very, Interesting, But I was just, I I was just really blown away over the last week. And then just like everything that we've been talking about being a safe haven, being a community that welcomes that, you know, is accepting who is willing to maintain the safety of others before the safety of ourselves. Um, And then to think about how that relates to building relationships and how that's really, that's really what heals people. And that's really what gives people a chance to succeed and to thrive and to get past a lot of the trauma and a lot of the the wounds that have happened in their life. Yes. Um.
2: When you talk about trauma and, you know, talking about children and the intervention that can happen early, I think that in this instance, you know, especially with the vote that took place this week, the problem is that, you know, early childhood trauma or childhood trauma at all is the kind that can, um, that can mark who we become as adults. The trauma, if it's not um, healed from, is the kind that can alter our personality, change so many things as we grow into adults. And especially if, um, for whatever reason, you don't have the things that combat that, like um, a a system at home Mm -hmm. to take care of you, a, a system of friends, and those type of things that can combat the trauma that can happen in childhood. And the thing that that you know, some people are able to you know remain and stay and fight and continue to have a conversation. Those people are probably the people who have strong systems in place. Other 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 places, the people who uh, don't. Mm-hmm. That's just another layer of trauma. Now we're just right. taking trauma from childhood and 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 continuing it into adulthood, and that makes me. Yeah, because it just makes it all that much harder for that person to become the best self they can be, you know, Mm -hmm. the the most healed self they can be because because having a community that surrounds you and loves you and cares for you is one of the things that you were saying relationship that can combat against trauma, you know, that's proven with science. So... If you're if you happen to be a part of a community that is not embracing you fully, I would assume that especially without other uh, other communities in place, other loving relationships, etc., that that could be that much harder for you to heal from. It just keeps going, then you know. And that's the part that makes me sad. <laughs> I think um, something. When I've been learning about trauma in school, um, you know, we learn about things like that. Big, there's really big, um, research about adverse childhood experiences and how it's compounding. And it can be um, things that, when we think about trauma, are not going to be as major as we might assume. Right? A lot of times, when you say trauma, people go to extreme considerations. But the thing that I found comforting in that was that research says that, but it also says it only takes one person needs mm-hmm. to have one special person that's going to be there at their side um you know whether it's an educator or you know someone they know in the community and actually have amazing impact on their resilience. right so when we talk about community right sometimes i i think of community is the longest we need all of these people and obviously if you have multiple people there's like a probably a uh, a flip, like an inversion, right? Mm-hmm. You have all those like a multiplier somehow. But even just one person, right, can make such a big impact. I think um, I see in myself, I think it's important to remember when you're looking at the face of trauma to not feel hopeless and helpless because when you do that, when you're paralyzed. So. Um, and as someone who doesn't like it, <coughs> I the one on one, so I want to make sure that I say that for all of us remember that just a case. Mm-hmm. And small
0: interactions. Yeah well and I think too like the one um, one of the articles that I found really really fascinating is um, it was about moving from trauma-informed care to healing centric approaches and so they um, trauma-informed care has been implemented in a lot of schools and um, and, and looking at students and one student just said, you know, I, you keep saying all this bad stuff that happened to me, but I would like to be more than that. I am more than that. You know, so this thing that we get stuck on, oh, this all just happened. And it's so terrible. And let's, you know, talk about this for 500 years, which maybe they need to talk about it. Maybe they don't. Um, but, you know, but to start saying, okay, this is where we've been and this is where we need to go. And so making healing the primary focus instead of the trauma, the primary focus, but like using that information to create a system that's healing and relationships that are healing. But yeah, that always makes me feel better too. Like just what person can help? Because when you think about it, like even like in the foster care system, and I know this is like a little off, but you know, just like having one person who can really give you some love and some safety and some security that makes all the difference, like having a place to go that is safe, a person that's safe. Did you ever have your hand? Oh, it's got a leak, sorry. So when, uh, uh, of video, when I left my
1: previous place Richmond, um, you know, I, didn't, I didn't have this period where I had to seek out a new community, but that was because these pieces were in place, like Kelly was talking about, you know, I mean, I, you know, I came to dust two or three times the last year, but I was in my place of worship, and either to not be there um, for something. Um, a lot of the care that I found in the United Methodist Church, um, was A former research advisor became a Methodist pastor and um, had experiences that so I was plugged in there. I was plugged in um, to some people, individual people at Trinity. And so when I left my place of worship, it was kind of like, well, I've got three places. And ironically, two of them. I left the UCC congregation, which was one of the first to um, recognize and affirm LGBTQ. Uh, and two of the places that were my places of refuge were an ECC church and a UMC church, both of which had official policies against recognizing that. But that's that's you know, that's policy-wise, and those are the churches that said, no, you know, we're, we're going to be a place of safety even within this um, organization that may not recognize that this needs to be there. You know, and so um, so I just say that to encourage us as a community. Um you know when people come here and I know we're not like this, we're not like, you oh, come twice so you know. <laughs> you know here's your time offering here's your <laughs> membership we're you know, things like that. But that we um uh, that <laughs> we uh, have historically been I mean, would and maybe intentional Safety, even for people
4: that we perceive as being
2: plugged in and having uh, a different primary
0: identity. Uh huh. There's less to say. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking that as affirmation, like, is like, yeah, you're this is great. Um, yeah I really don't sorry I really don't have like a ton more but I just um, that's kind of like where my head has been this past week um, with all that and just thinking about uh, how I'm really uh, very grateful for you all and for this community because it is nice to be it's, it's nice to be part of a community that is affirming and is um inclusive and I think that uh I I wish that for so many other people and I see so many of my you know friends struggling and stuff like that so I uh am definitely very grateful for what we have here and I just kind of wanted to be more like encouraging that I feel like we're already like on this path of being that safe place and just more like I feel like we're going in the right direction I feel like you know I feel like we're, we're doing we're doing all right and um I'm really grateful for being able to look at the text in a way that kind of shows that, right? That shows that that God cares and values us and and there's worth in us instead of, uh, you're a dirty sinner and you need God, you know, like it's a different way, <laughs> a different way to, to look at it, you know? So like I was always raised with, oh, he's a loving God, but, you know, <laughs> but this, but that. Um, and so I think that to me um, it's really just helped open my eyes to a lot of things and it's always so interesting like when you read all this kind of somewhat complex at times psychological stuff, scientific stuff, and then you realize that like God's already been implementing that for <laughs> thousands and thousands of years. It's a very fascinating experience and it's a very good thing, so.
2: I have an observation and a question, Wade, I'm sorry, I keep putting you on the spot, but you volunteered the information, you know, and, and how you were talking about how it was a long process before you left it, that community, and how you were in other places and how important that was. Um, but I read a lot of, uh, online, and I feel like I might have had a discussion with Dawn about this, but I'm not sure, um, that... Um, I think we have to be careful as a community that is inclusive, to not, it seems to happen on online discussions a lot, but I mean it can happen in person too, I to not um, swoop in and be like, well you should come to our church then. Because I feel like if somebody, I feel like it was done, but maybe it wasn't. Somebody to said to me, like if you think of it like a marriage, you know, you're not, if somebody's like, I'm having a really hard time in my marriage, you're not like, well, this is Joe, you should marry him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right, no, that's-, like, that's not what they mean in that moment. I mean, they have to decide no. <laughs> marriage is over. Like, they, they probably <laughs> took their vows seriously. They're probably joined <laughs> with that person in such a way. That they're not just all of a sudden like, oh, you're right, I'll marry Joe. Like if you think of it that way, like if if they're going to break up, it's not, it's not gonna be because you swooped in and said, you should come to our church instead. Like, maybe that's good timing. Maybe they've been going through a process for years and they are wanting to move to a different church, but maybe not. Maybe they never will.
1: discussion you know on Monday and Tuesday where yeah there were a lot of people that were in UMC posting on my friends my friends and basically saying, oh we well, are always welcoming my church or you know you know the you know the let's say the you know the Episcopal Church, the Christian Church, USA mm-hmm. is you know, you know, is ready to welcome these you know courts of refugees from UMC <laughs> churches that are going to now swell into that but not recognize you know, right that you know to a lot of to many Methodists, um, especially especially cradle you know great Methodists, you know, that is their identity and that they're or even those that have chosen the Methodist Church right. over other denominations because of specific ways that they uh, worship and celebrate God, you know. Um, you know, to just say, well um, you know well obviously that's not gonna work anymore so Clearly, you should, you know, like, you know, (laughs) even today. Last Friday, I made a Lutheran joke, uh, just because I was raised Lutheran. Like one person at the table got it and laughed. It it was, it was a clearly Lutheran joke, you know. (laughs) You know, but and I haven't, you know, gone to a Lutheran church, you know, since I was, you know, eighteen or twenty. You know, sadly, you know, so. You know, we talk about uh, intersectionality uh, identities of identities and like, you know, your denomination can be one of those identities um, that, uh, you know, that informs how you are, you know, like, you know, <laughs> you know, even how I was gay in a um, quasi-non-affirming UCS future, it just depends on how I'm gay, not in that. Because of that intersectional, yeah. Um, yeah, I think in terms of intersectionality,
4: there, a lot, there were a
1: lot of comments in the UFC too. Um, but I feel very conflicted about it because uh, the way that the uh, the way that the voting was breaking down was essentially um, the majority, but not that were well in the area of American organizations were
4: for uh, the so open plan it was for F.A. It would be up to local decision making or control. Um,
1: and um, the traditional plan was the favorite plan um, by the global United Methodist Church. And so a lot of times you say, well, uh, number one, the Global United States Church is very strong in uh, the country within some countries in Africa. And so it's kind of these very traditional uh, values, well, traditional values in these African countries. But then the counter argument was uh, that they weren't necessarily African values; <laughs> They were commonly imposed yeah. American like colonizers. The yeah. uh, but then, so. This is one of those things where I'm like, well, on the one hand, on the other hand,
4: suddenly, she wrote a
1: Because, as I say, but isn't that also, uh, you know, basically um, racist as well to say um, that, you know, basically, that African, the current uh, methodists cannot. You know, um, Determining the scriptures themselves and their own bodies that they um, naturally would just have whatever bodies in 19th century evidence or early 20th century evidence. I was, out. So, you know, that that they that those can't be the real bodies or informed decisions about true policy or like that. You know, so uh, so I think it's very complicated. You know, once we start um, trying to find the blame for the trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, but this goes back to what you were saying, like it's not about removing the trauma. I mean it might be about preventing this trauma but reoccurring. Right. But the talk about okay, well it's about healing the wound and healing, uh, and doing so in such a way it doesn't deny the capital but doesn't um, but doesn't
2: define the mm-hmm. right it's fixate on it. I just wanted to make sure in this group we don't have any of those posters. <laughs> that it's a joke, because I'm pretty sure we don't. Like, you, you the kind of person who said, You can always come to my church instead? I, I, do, like it, I, I do, do like have a
0: fun. friend, though, who complains about her husband a lot, so I do think I want to offer her. Yours? <laughs> <laughs> Joe. 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 I'll, I'll introduce is you to Joe. Who is Joe? Who is Joe? <laughs> I was just trying to think, like, you know, like, if you have someone who's, like, kind of a habitual complainer, could you, maybe it would be helpful. I just think it's a
2: one-on-one conversation, and maybe, right, maybe right. it's an in-person conversation, but yeah, okay, if they live in a different state, maybe you're not going to see them. But yeah, if they're saying, I'm ready to go, right, we've got right. a church, or or if it were a one-on-one conversation, whether it be online or in person, right. that's a lot more appropriate than, yeah advertising. Yes. And, and we've all, you know, been a part of that before, so.
0: Right. Um, yeah, I think there's always that, that.
2: There's a lot of temptation to do yeah, that, there's... because the other side of that is, well, we love our community. Like, we like it here. We obviously think it's great. That's why we keep coming back. Mm-hmm. So we're like, so sometimes it's hard not to do it, because it's not out of a, it's out of a genuine place of enthusiasm and, and loving and welcoming. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. But I think we have to think of it the other way, Mm -hmm. you know, and and maybe have those conversations in in a different way that's more appropriate.
0: Yeah. No. I definitely... Or like those people you're like, oh, my kid's been sick for months, and they're like, have you tried this? Oh. Well, everything's fixed now. Thanks. You
2: I think we all have met those people, so yeah, we don't want to be those people. Um, Go ahead. Where when people meet and the park, it should be created for other people that they only have one choice of a portable place.
0: Right. Well, I mean, and the
2: truth is there's so much complexity to it. They they can feel safety there for lots of reasons because, well, they could be one of the exceptions, you know, they could be one of the exceptions that says, oh, we know this is the policy or what, but we don't care. We're going to be fully inclusive here until somebody comes and kicks us out. Kind of how daunted, you know, like Mm -hmm. we're going to do this thing at some point, it's going to cause a problem but also that they're longtime friends, family, people who are inclusive, accepting, you know, completely, that, that they're part of that community. So it's very, it's like doing a, like a heart transplant. <laughs> like you've got to take out every little, all the bits of tissue and little vessels, and, you know, it's, it's way more complex than that. So so my point is we might not need to greet. They they might feel completely content where they are. You know, they could be sad about the decision and still know that their community, that they are a part of, is is a loving community. We don't know each scenario because it's too complex. So, I think a better approach is if you feel the need to post online, not saying, "Hey, you people can do this," but if if you want a presence of this is what we talked about at my church this weekend, mm-hmm. then people can see that and. And, oh, yeah. and maybe they'll want to discuss it with you versus, hey, you all should leave your church and come here. You know? I guess like the point I was trying to make is like grief is more like in those positions. So I either stay where my family is where known for no know for thirty years, right. but I'm not fully accepted for the Right. Or I go somewhere else without my family. Right. So, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I didn't need to like say speak for someone. through're grieving like I guess like that's the grief. Right, yeah. Wow. Well
0: that's because you're very detached. Well maybe it's probably I No, it's not <laughs> I think anyone who's stuck in a crappy situation, you you can you can um, grieve for no you're not. so delicious.
2: I think the online like, the
1: auction is a good kind of way that people can like, check out those churches, or a way that they can still if they they want to um, you know, like for me, I was raised like, you go to the church. We (laughs) need to go to the church. And and, and it never ended up feeling like an obligation for me, but I do do feel weird on Sundays when I go because of something. so like having an online option. Also, for having an option, when you know someone's going through something, say, like, well, you know, if you just need to use a station for one week and recharge for you go back, but you want to, you um, know. So, pro tip: um, there have been times when I actually have uh, logged into in a dust service while having a church. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just sit in the back row with your earbuds in. <laughs> it's a Bible app, guys. It's a Bible app, I
4: swear.
2: Yes, Brilliant.
3: You know, in all honesty, I would hope that people who are hurting would encounter dust <laughs> community, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily this
2: building.
3: I would want people who are hurting to encounter dust, basically, as the name implies on the street, the city of Toledo or anybody, or any place else. So that would be my hope. I feel like that's that's what we should be doing as a community. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily want to bring people into this building. Um, I want to bring myself into people's lives for their hurting. You know what? And they may not be ready to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine. But I still want to be to now. Um, and we're, in reality, that's exactly what Christ did in people's lives. He didn't wait for you know, I'm sitting here thinking about he even crossed over the sea, to go into a territory that the Jews never wanted to go to. Okay. Uh, encountered a person who was completely out of their line, uh, possessed by demons, mm-hmm. uh, pretty risky, pretty risky stuff. Um, and I guess I just would want us as a community to be risky in what we do and like how we encounter people in the city. I
0: am sure good Sounds good. No, I think it's even like, when I even think about it, um, and my family gave me so much crap for this, um, but like when I got to tell my friends like, oh, who are you meeting down at Pride? Oh, just my church. We're just going down to Pride. You know, I, like it, to me, that was like this really cool experience and like the look on people's faces. and you know, and like even my family who's very fundamentalist, like, you know, be like, oh, you know, we're going church down of pride. And they just be like, oh, <laughs> you know, like not know how to respond to that. So I think, you know, stuff like that, absolutely. It's getting out there and not being afraid to go the places and that, you know, to, to, I, I kind of look at it, you know, like when um, in the Bible, it talks about, um, wherever you know your feet go that's you know that's where god is or that we bring god with us and and to me that whole concept of what bringing god with us has definitely evolved over the years because now i think about that love that relationship that compassion that empathy um and that hopefully healing that we can bring and not oh i'm gonna walk in here and i'm gonna you know give you the roman's road and we're gonna hand out tracks, and we're gonna claim this ground for God, you know. <laughs> like, so it's definitely evolved and I'm very thankful for that. and I'm sure you all are too. Um, you know, and I think that now when I think about that more is like, yes, where I'm going I want to show compassion, I want to show love, I want to show mercy, I want to show justice, and it's definitely changed and we can't do that as well right here. Well, we yes, the thing is that it's also a
3: long road. <clears throat> OK, because building relationships with community is long and it's hard. Mm-hmm. And there's really no guarantee a person's life is going to turn around. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. And the fact of the matter is, is that um, maybe it's going to take a long time. Uh, that's what community life's all about. It's not like you said. It's not getting you out of track. It's not like, hey, we have the perfect sermon for you today. Hey, listen to this online sermon by God. It's great. It's going to change your life. Well, possibly at but it's going to. That's just one of many, many opportunities. I hope we we uh, um, engage people in the community. One of the things we should probably keep in mind, though, uh, if we're offering up, like, you know, to come or, or
2: whatever, is that, um, and I don't mean to speak for the those. Is that like, um, they call that um, when you say you're going to do one thing, do another phrase. Well, there's that, but oh, there's like a phrase, like, I don't know. Baking um, that's it, thank you. Um, but <laughs> it's like, where, you know, like, oh, of course, you know, we're affirming and, we, and we all love you, we totally love you, at your our church. Right. Whatever, you know what I mean? And even some of the people like in the primary. I think it also, like, you actually think it's CDS one is like a lot of a lot of people get suspicious of the primary right? because it's become a place now where like businesses will go to like
0: basically like lift their social mm-hmm. like you know. Oh, look at us. So, like, you know, and you know, I love so, my like, AT and T rainbow necklace. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So I, I so my point is just like maybe keep that in the back of our minds that
0: if people seem a little like sort of off or a little hesitant or whatever, maybe just kind of take that in like, mind how we talk. About it. Mm-hmm. I'm also thinking like what Tally said because there's so many times where I like will read those threads and like there's certain churches they're like come here we don't
2: judge and you're
0: like. Something and so like that would be like they're like oh well, we'll marry Joe and we're like no marry Steve you know so like to stay away from those conversations as well because I just I don't know I I think there was one thread the one time that I was just like I can't I have to walk away can't comment can't comment but all right Tally what's next <laughs> what do I do now. <laughs>